The big question is, of course, what is the tapping artist's true meaning? <laughs> That's a question. Um, I'm going to start tonight with a, a colon I think many, many of you are familiar with, but those, those of you aren't, it's, it's quite an interesting colon. It's, um, it's called Nangaku's Polishing a Tile. And um, here's, here's the story. In the 8th century, there was a monk called Basso, who lived in a hermitage named Dembo Inn, which translates as the Temple of Dharma Transmission. Quite a posh name for a hermitage. <laughs> the Temple of Dharma Transmission. Basso was about 30 years old and practiced Zazen every day with real commitment. Nangaku, the Zen master, heard of Basso and paid him a visit. Nangaku asked, Virtuous, worthy one, what do you aim at in doing Zazen? Basso said, I am aiming at becoming a Buddha. Nangaku picked up a tile and started to polish it against a rock. Basso said, What are you doing, master? Nangaku said, I am polishing a tile in order to make it into a mirror. Basso said, how can you make a tile into a mirror? Nangaku replies, how can you become a Buddha by sitting Zazen? If you do sitting Buddha, you kill the Buddha. That's the story. So, um, everybody got that? It's not complicated, is it? Not, not like they usually are. And nobody gets enlightened at the end. It's a disappointment. Um, so, the, the two crucial things in this is, is he picks up a tile to polish it, and, he's, and he says <clears throat> he's trying to make it into a mirror. Anybody, anybody, any, got any uh, idea of what the tile and the mirror represent? So, Nangaku picks up a tile and pretends to polish it, and he says he's trying to make it into a mirror. And he, there's a lesson there for, for Basso, who's sitting with great commitment and courage and strength in order to become a Buddha. What do you think? If you know it well, then bite your bottom lip. You Is think? he talking about alchemy? Alchemy? Is he talking about like taking something base and trying to make something kind of... Yeah, kind of, kind of. There will be an inter when I tell you what the tile represents, that, that, that's an interesting response. <laughs> but I won't tell you yet. Okay, taking something based and turning it into something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Imagine the tiles me. Yeah. And the polishing is Zazen. Oh, okay. Well, he's saying, yeah, he's saying, Nangaku's saying that's, that's, that, not, that's not it. No. That's Basso's mistake. Mm -hmm. That's fine, you can be with Basso, he's not necessarily wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, is it that um, the, the effort of trying wouldn't um, uh, turn Warden in Basso into Buddha? Not by, not by effort, but the, the idea of Buddha is within anyway. Okay. 
and in the sense that you can't turn time into a mirror, you can't by effort turn a person into a Buddha. It's not the effort, it's, it's, uh, it's there. Okay, so he's already a Buddha. Thank you. This call, by the way, is, is, is only interesting to me anyway when I move on to what I understand by its real point. But it, it does have a kind of traditional um, meaning. Well, tiles are on roofs, aren't they? Or, or on patios, or... And, um, are they, they're not permanent, are they, tiles? They fall off roofs, they wear out, you fall over them. Well, tile isn't permanent, is that right? No? Yeah? <laughs> okay. Well, the tile traditionally represents impermanence, or it represents um, <clears throat> one of the marks of existence. It represents what you intrinsically are, i.e. impermanent, and everything else is impermanent. And the mirror um, represents wisdom. Very particularly, it represents, I guess, what you what what would you call it, Buddha wisdom, um, because it reflects everything without distorting it. So it's, it reflects things as they truly are, and they're not distorted by, you know, we're not mirrors because what we reflect is conditioned by what we believe in, all those other factors that condition how we experience what happens. So. Now, Ngaku is saying is, is that uh, Basso is, is endeavouring to turn his relative or impermanent self into a perfect being. Nangaku is saying, well, at one level, you're already a perfect being. You are, you are, you, you know, you can't become a Buddha. You are a Buddha. You can't not be. There's no way you can not be. There's no way you can not manifest your own Buddha nature. However, and this comes to the nub of, of kind of what I wanted to talk about, was that, um, if you imagine that you were manifesting your Buddha nature truly or authentically, how do you think it would look? How would you look? How would you be? Would you have special qualities or would you be happy? Would you be free of problems? How would it be if you were able to really manifest, oh, not but really, <clears throat> or what is your vision of what your manifested Buddha nature would be like? <clears throat> 
I mean, this is why you're sitting, I guess, isn't it? I mean, just as Basel was sitting, this, I, I imagine this is why, why you come to practice, because you have some vision of who you might become. Is that near the mark or, or not? I think I'd, I'd be like completely me. Be, you'd be completely you, yeah. yeah. And what would that look like? Look like, like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's being you like? What's, what's, your, what's, what's, what's Paul's being like on a day-to-day basis? Um, it, it's kind of fraught with the feeling that I'm not good enough sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. it stops me from just being completely me, I suppose. Okay, so it's that not feeling good enough. You, you, your, your, your vision or your hope is that that would disappear. Yeah, and, that, and then I'd be able to be more uh, genuine. And you would feel good enough. Maybe not, but it <laughs> <laughs> Who would you feel good enough to? Sorry, Paul, I'm not, you, yeah, you're just, yeah. a, I'm, it could be anybody, it's yeah, just interesting. Thank you for speaking. But I, maybe it, it wouldn't matter so much. It wouldn't matter so much, yeah. yeah. To you or yeah, to other people? To, to me. To you? Yeah. And what about other people? Do you think they'd notice? Yeah, I think they would. They would? Does anybody else have a vision that, that like Basso, if they practice, there will be this um, person who kind of emanates calm and beauty and doesn't have any strife in their life and, you know, always makes the appropriate response to every situation, has great relationships. <laughs> Do you have that kind of vision? Yeah. No? Yeah? I, in the sense of like being, it would be like I'd be, always be available for people, so like I'd just drop all my stuff. Stuff, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I could just take the general part and I could just say to folk, how would you feel about Joseph if she had no stuff? The general policy, you wouldn't be half as interesting as you are, Joe, so you'd be boring as hell. <laughs> Nobody would want to be with you, you'd be so... <laughs> this isn't to do with the comb, but I've just pulled this out. It's, I don't know who wrote it. Apologies to whoever wrote it. That's just something I pulled out. It's kind of imagining your ideal self. You can spend the rest of your days attempting to become some imagined perfect person, but I recommend, just as Nangaku recommended to Basso, I recommend you don't waste your life striving to become some unattainable version of yourself. You'll never reach the place of perfection, and that's perfectly alright. The path to perfection will only lead you to exhaustion and disappointment. Meanwhile, your, actually life, your actual life will be passing you by. 
The more peaceful and practical approach is to simply be yourself and accept that this being human is messy. And learn to be okay with getting your hands dirty. <coughs> There's no actual happiness to be found in always trying to be someone else at some future time. Because the fact is, you'll never quite get there. Why not instead show up fully right here, right now? Allow yourselves to let go of the idea that who you are already isn't enough. And realize this deep acceptance is the path to real freedom. That is really hard, isn't it? I mean, deep acceptance of who you are. That's tough. And it changes. I mean, you could. I don't want to put you on. I always feel like I'm going to give a talk. I'm, I'm kind of thinking there'll be nobody coming next week. <laughs> <laughs> but, let me read you something, which is, I think is really, I really like. Um, um, Okamura, who Andy and Sarah are going to see. Okamura is one of the, the best Zen teachers in my book, really good guy and, an, and, a, and a good man. His teacher was Uchiyama Roshi, who, who ran a very hard line Japanese Zen monastery. And this is what Uchiyama Roshi once said in the Dharma talk. In the middle of a solemn service, I am extremely self-conscious and so confused I make a big mess of it. Afterwards, I feel shame and remorse. But since my childhood, I've been so sensitive that in self-defense, I ended up settling myself in the stability of whatever happens, I am me. Shy is shy, careless is careless. There is nothing to do about it. Even if we don't become refined and elegant, like an expert at kendo or a master of the tea ceremony, it doesn't matter, does it? This is, a, this is from a guy who's you know, done a lot, a lot of practice and he's just fronting up to the fact that he fucks up. And he gets embarrassed and shy about it. And, but finally, does it matter? Who does it matter most to when that happens? My ego. Pardon? My ego. Yeah, you, me, you, whoever, <laughs> yourself, yeah, yeah. Most, most other people don't mind. In fact, they're probably quite grateful because it makes them feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Unless inadequate. <laughs> so all I'm saying to you, this is the, the, the whole point of this, of, the, of, of Basel and polishing the tile and becoming a mirror. Um, it's a wonderful incentive for practice and there's absolutely no, you know, no, no reason not to strive. But that's, Driving has got to be in parallel with the with an acceptance and a um, what's the right word? Not 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 just acceptance, but maybe even a sense of, of um, humanity <coughs> about yourself. You know, forgive you about, about who you are and how you are and how you function, and how that is. That, doesn't mean you can't strive to change. Um, 
But one thing I fear about this practice traditionally is it, it unless it's unless it's unless it's read really carefully, it can give us this it can give us this impression of the, at some place and at some time we will arrive at a place where our lives are not messy anymore and pain doesn't arise and it isn't difficult. And that isn't the case. You know, maybe it could be perhaps for some folk, but you know, I haven't met them. Have you met them? Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> if they're dead. Pardon? If they're dead. Oh, the dead. <laughs> I mean, it just, I mean, it comes completely out of the mouth of, of this is out of Dogen, this, I call this house as well, to add to my case, Dogen, you know, it's the top man, as it were. <clears throat> Dogen says that despite our practice, we nevertheless continue to have feelings about things that happen in the world, and these feelings continue to have a love and hate quality. This point is enormously important. Buddhism has often presented as if once one has arrived, all problems are solved. Um, it carries a, a tacit implication that all emotions cease or remain upon a happy plane, or on a level happy plane. Dogen says not so. So, we continue to practice and we continue to do our best and we hopefully and it's really hard, I can say that personally, it's absolutely for me too, is how do we, you know, we forgive ourselves and how do we carry on when we feel inadequate, when we feel things are too messy? Do we give ourselves a bad time or do we, you know, I mean the biggest obstacle for the ego in these things is I'm, I'm ordinary, I'm not special, I do get I do lose stuff, I do forget, I do get upset, I do shout fuck off out the car window. And, you know. <laughs> and the ego doesn't like that because it wants us to be this kind of special person, not this ordinary person that's subject to all these qualities. And is that right? Is that, am I alone in feeling mm -hmm. like that? But is there is there a danger between forgiveness and acceptance <clears throat> and it falling into like, you know, us not taking responsibility sometimes as well? We absolutely have to take responsibility. Absolutely. This is what, uh, it is it I've got a pile of ammunition to support my case here. This is what <laughs> I'll read you the piece. It's about responsibility. One of the basic tenets of Buddhism has always been the inescapable fact of impermanence. And that means that fundamentally there will always be a limit to how much control we can exert over the way our lives go. There's no technique for attaining and holding on to some perfect, unchangeable state of mental or physical health. Through practice entails letting go of that fantasy and learning to accept life as it is. We do not, however, abdicate our responsibility to maintain a practice of lifelong awareness, nor do we see practice as an endless treadmill of self-improvement. So we try and balance what you said between responsibility and not feeling that we have this obligation all the time, that everything we do is about gain or loss, self-improvement. 
you do. It's like, um, so you think of like a sickness in the West, and it is that one impairment seems to be yeah. the, the, the Holy Spirit for that, you know, everything's got to be, you know. Well, we want, it, we want permanence and, and we want specialness, don't we? Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we're all fed how important it is to be different and special. Yeah. And how if we really, really, really give our full, wholehearted self to something, we will succeed. And an ordinary life is okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a struggle for all of us, but if one can be comfortable with being ordinary, <laughs> it's very relaxing. <laughs> it could be relaxing. I think it's like either one permanence when I'm having a good time or impermanence when I'm not having a good time. <laughs> uh, so, so we're like flips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've only selected about permanence we want, haven't we? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's a good call. I mean, you know. Its basic message is you're okay. Yeah. You are okay. And even if you're not okay, you're okay. <laughs> What's the other line you could just do with a little improvement? <laughs> what I could do. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful the way it hits nine o'clock. Does anybody, does anybody have anything you want to add? Morris, you've been quiet tonight. You've been left in hearing area. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a pleasure to listen. Okay. It's better to listen than to speak. <laughs> Thanks, Morris. <laughs> 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 I, I just shut up. <laughs> okay, that's good.